Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 263 of our Keeping Up with the Kings series here on the Run of the Mills podcast. My name is Mike, and we are making our way through the book of Matthew. And if you are joining us for the first time today, well, welcome, or if it's your second time, welcome. I hope you have been blessed. And uh, I would really encourage you, I know it seems crazy, but to go all the way back to the beginning and start at episode one, because here's the deal. The Bible was written the way it was written for a reason. And oftentimes we read it in these very strange uh, manners of flipping open to a page and reading here or reading there. Oftentimes you might go to church and you might hear the pastor preach on a passage. And then next week he preaches on a passage completely unrelated. Um, and they're, they're uh, doing what's called topical preaching. So they're preaching on a topic. They're finding passages that support that topic and bouncing around here to there. Um, not that that is a bad thing, but the problem is that it is very easy to lose track of the context and it requires a little bit more work uh, on the listener's part because the pastor is not teaching on the context of every verse. Um, he's using a bunch of verses taken out of their context. And so there's a certain amount of trust that we are dependent upon to trust that he's using those in the proper in the proper way that they are used in context. And technically, you know, as a, as a as a Bible teacher, uh, you know, we we ought to be going back and looking at those verses ourselves uh, before we teach the, teach on them or before we use them to say, you know, hey, am I am I using this in the in the way that it's used in the context? Am I taking this and twisting it to mean something it doesn't mean? Uh, which is an easy thing to do. Uh, but as a listener, you know, hey, it's it's uh, our responsibility to test things and to say, wait a minute, does this fit the context of which it was originally used? Uh, is this taken uh, being taken out of context to say something that it doesn't actually mean? So anyway, all that to say, there's a there's a reason I started on chapter one, verse one, and it's make, made my way through to this point. Uh, and that is because the context matters. I think we can take a lot from it. And also, I just think it's a great blessing when you can look at a book of the Bible after you've studied it and go, hey, you know what? I feel like I have a good understanding of what this book of the Bible is about, what's being said here, what's being said there. Anyway, uh, we've talked a lot along the way about things like uh, these these uh, points that Matthew seems to be making about um about Jesus being the king of the Jews, oh, he's a Jew writing to the Jews about the king of the Jews, and about Jesus being this unexpected king. So all that to say, again, if this is your first time, welcome, but flip back and listen to the first one first. All right, well, anyway, uh, it says we're in verse 11 of chapter 27. Jesus is brought before Pontius Pilate, and it says this, Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. And then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him not one word. So the governor marveled greatly. Now there's a lot of really interesting things going on here. Uh, one thing, historically speaking, uh, historical sources kind of paint Pontius Pilate in a negative light. He was not a great guy. He was not even a good guy. He seemed to be somebody who didn't uh, really flinch at uh, 
punishing people. And, um, and so this is kind of something that seems to go uh, against character, perhaps even. And so as we read this, there's some things that, that stand out to me that I wanted to point out. One of them is that Jesus is being accused, right, by the chief priests and elders. They bring Jesus before the, the governor because, you see, they don't have the power. They don't have the right to um, practice capital punishment. That was something that the Jewish people lost. And it was a big deal. Uh, when they lost the right to uh, execute their own criminals, there were those in Israel who tore their clothes and put ashes on their head, and they and they cried out that God had failed them. And that all went back to um, uh, a prophecy for the Messiah talking about the um, the scepter will not pass from Israel until Shiloh comes. Shiloh being a name for the Messiah. And so they, when it says the scepter shall not depart from, you know, shall not depart until Shiloh comes. Uh, it's, for, it's from Genesis 49, 10. I'll just read it. It says the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes and to him shall be the obedience of the people. And so to them, the idea of the scepter, that is the ability to rule themselves and the way that they, or what they saw as the foundation of human government was the idea of capital punishment. The government being able to, the, the human government being able to execute criminals. And so when they lost that ability, when, when Rome took away that right, uh, there were people crying out that God had failed them. And yet, if you look at the history, God hadn't failed them because Jesus had been born. He was It was during his lifetime that that happened. And so rather than them saying, okay, well, we have lost the ability to self-govern, so let's um, look for the Messiah because he's around here someplace. Instead, they were distraught and heartbroken. And so he is, uh, Jesus is brought before uh, Pilate because they want him dead, as we know. And they accuse him of a great many things. And Pilate says to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? Because Jesus didn't answer at all. And I think that this impacts Pilate greatly because later on, his response is going to be, this is an innocent man. Which is really interesting because the innocent man does not defend himself at all, not even a word. And so here's all these accusations that they're making and the conclusion that he draws is this guy's innocent. He's not begging for his life. He's not he's not arguing each point uh, vehemently. He's not saying a thing. And so there's something about this whole situation where Pilate is confident that this guy is an innocent man. And plus there's things that his wife whispers to him as well that we'll read about. But what I wanted to point out was this, that a great barrage of accusations have been made by the chief priests and just does not answer. Now, could he have answered? Could he have argued every, every, uh, every point and effectively argued, convincingly argued? Yes. Yes. I believe 100% Jesus could have argued his way out, could have present, could have pre presented uh, uh, refutation for every, for every uh, accusation. But, I think that it's easy to forget that it was not Jesus' intention 
or his mission to defend himself, to justify himself, or to declare himself to be righteous. Because doing so would be to avoid the cross. So again, it wasn't his intention or his mission to defend himself, justify himself, or declare himself righteous. His intention was to be our defender and our justifier by way of the cross. And so Jesus isn't defending himself because he's not trying to avoid the cross. He knows his mission. He knows where he's going. And he knows why he's going there. And it's for you. And it's for me. God bless you. We'll talk to you next time.